medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen in to these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. 
I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Yvonne Farrell. Yvonne is an acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and a teacher of Chinese medicine. She's been doing all of this for over 20 years now. She's taught at many of the schools in the SoCal area. She's also the author of a book that we're going to talk a little bit more about later because the content of today's talk is treating psychoemotive issues using Chinese medicine, uh, which is the subject of her book. And today we're going to get into all of this. And I want to welcome you, Yvonne. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, morning or afternoon or whatever it happens to be when you tune this podcast in. <laughs> oh, that's right. It might not be morning for everyone. <laughs> it could be anywhere at any time, the, the beauty of podcasting. Great. Yeah. So, Yvonne, I'm curious, how did you get so interested in treating psychoemotive issues and, and especially using our particular medicine to do that? Well, I think my interest in the psycho-emotional process started long before I became an acupuncturist. I've always been very interested in uh, the relationship between how the mind works and how people manage their emotions. Um, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, a bit of a therapy junkie, more of a, a person who wasn't going to therapy for depression, but more for wanting to understand how the mind works and why, what are the motivations for me doing what I'm doing, how do those patterns set up. So I've always been interested in that. And then Chinese medicine just seemed to present for me the most perfect platform for negotiating that relationship. How do you see Chinese medicine working differently than, say, the, the talk therapy or the exploration type therapy that you were doing previously? Um, I think the, the benefit of Chinese medicine in this is that the medicine is holistic. It doesn't separate the mental process, the emotional process from the physical process in the body. It's all one thing. With talk therapy, you can get stuck in mental loops because it's all intellectual. With Chinese medicine, the intellect is part of an overall process of balancing. So it's more effective, I think, to deal with the emotions through the body than it is so much through the intellect. Yeah, I've, I've certainly seen this in my practice. People will, 
they'll start to get a clue that their emotions and their body and their mind are not separate. They begin to get this clue and they get all wide-eyed and they go, could it, you know, is it really possible that my emotions <laughs> could have something to do with this? Yes. And it's a stunning epiphany for them. Yeah. 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 A lot of people are walking around in emotional distress nowadays and they're totally disconnected from what's going on in their bodies. They're not anchored in their bodies and so they can't really experience the emotion in a productive way. Mm -hmm. When you're, so are there any methods in particular? I mean, you know, we've got so many tools and so many ways of approaching things with acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Are there any particular ways that you use for working on these issues with folks? Yeah, there are. I mean, I have a lot of tools in the toolbox. Anybody who's been practicing for you know, the length of time that I has learns more than one way to go about it. But I think the kinds of patients that I attract have really deep-seated problems that have been there for a very long time, and they've tried lots of different approaches to getting better, which have been moderately, mildly, or even unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. So I tend to use more often than not that eight extras, the eight extraordinary vessels to treat my patients because those vessels work at the level of Jing. And so they're dealing with very deep-seated patterns that affect a sense of oneself. They seem to be pretty effective. But I use also the second secondary vessels when I need to. I do low collateral treatments for patients who are under a lot of stress and sinew channel treatments for patients who are somatizing their pain a lot. But the eight extras seem to be the thing I use the most often. Yeah. I, I want to get into those eight extras here in a moment. Um, I'm curious first to hear a bit about how you use those law channels. Tell, tell us a bit about that. I've got, I've got a friend who does a lot of pain work, and he'll often use the law channel of like the clock opposite organ for some very physical sorts of things. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on using these psychoemotively. Well, I mean, my experience of those vessels is those are yin chi vessels. So those are vessels that um, affect the chi aspect of blood. And when you're dealing with emotions, you're dealing with blood because those emotions are mediated through the flow of blood in the body. So if you can find where a person is resisting or stuck or holding on to some trauma or emotion or experience or trouble with a relationship, then if you can free up the movement in that low vessel, then people begin to process their experience a little more effectively. Also, what we do with emotions when they're uncomfortable is we suppress them. And the first place we begin to suppress them is in the low collateral system. We take that experience as far away from the heart as we can get it, and we push it into the periphery of the body. We even make more blood vessels to hold that stuff. And then we have to maintain it. So we get exhausted by this emotional process. So if you can free these up, then people feel more like themselves. They feel like they're not hanging by their fingernails anymore. They feel better able to hold it together in the face of stress or change or trauma. 
So it can be a pretty effective way of freeing people up. Yeah, that makes sense. But that seems to work less so. It seems to work better in a little more acute situations or in um, situations where emotions are caused by sort of current events. Um, I'm in a really rough relationship right now and I don't know how to handle it. Everything um, that he does makes me angry and I can't control my anger. That's a much more acute situation. That um, is different than someone who's, for instance, depressed because depression runs in their family. Their mother was depressed or depressed because their father died when they were four. Um, those kinds of things are not low collateral issues. Those would be more eight extra. Yes. So you have to look at where the problem's stemming from, where it's coming from and how long it's been there. Right. You know, this is interesting. I, I hear this a lot too in my clinic. Someone will say they're depressed. And then the next sentence out of their mouth is, it runs in the family. Yeah. Which I find is always really interesting. Well, you know, we've, we've come to a sort of understanding of how uh, patients can experience something called intergenerational trauma. That trauma in earlier generations, if it isn't processed, is stored in jing. And that jing is then passed down. So the memories of that trauma, the experiences associated with that trauma actually become part of the genetic transmission. So I think about, you know, Holocaust survivors and their great grandchildren, right? Because how do you mm -hmm. process something like that? You can't really process something like that. So what kind of experiences are in that genetic information three four, five generations later. Right. I mean, there's even been studies recently that show genetic mutation based yes. on trauma. Yeah, yeah. It's, pr it's pretty fascinating. Okay. So the eight extras get to that Jing level. Yes, they do. Tell us more about that. Well, I mean, I always think of the eight extras as sort of the archetypal vessels of the system. They are... Um, really the only prenatal vessels that we have because all the other vessels we have circulating in the system are postnatal in their function. So they don't really get activated until after you're born. But in the gestation process, the eight extras are running the show. So they are the transmitters of that genetic information, but they're also the source vessels of what I typically call your curriculum, the lessons that you've come to learn, the experiences that you need to have to fulfill your purpose here. And those vessels unfold over the seven and eight year cycles in a way that is supposed to facilitate your growth, your uh, development, your purpose for being here. But sometimes they get stuck. And freeing them up or balancing them in some way, shape, or form or uh, creating a more effective distribution system within them helps people to gain in self-knowledge. And when people can gain in self-knowledge and self-awareness and consciousness, then they can choose better. I mean, we know that we have a lifestyle medicine 
Um, but one of the things we run up against in this lifestyle medicine is people making bad choices and not being able to make good choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not even realizing that they've got choices. Exactly. So these are vessels that help people to realize that they have a choice, that, that it is um, not their fault that certain cards have been dealt, but how they play those cards is their choice. everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a good way to say it. I'm curious to know about what sort of uh, diagnostic process you use what sort of assessment you use. How do you know which of those eight extras is, is asking for some help or is storing the trauma or the uh, message that's been sent down through the Jing from several generations ago? How do you know which ones to go for? Well, you know which way to go just the same you would for a physical problem with the eight extras, right? So let's say uh, a person has... Um, chronic anxiety, they have palpitations, Um, your diagnostic process says they have heart or liver blood deficiency perhaps, and uh, chi stagnation, liver chi stagnation that's causing emotional constraint in their chest. And this is causing them to have anxiety. So those are all physical things that you're seeing that would allow you to choose a certain vessel. And the most common vessel you would use for those particular physical diagnoses would be the yin way. Now, I add to that that the yin way has its own personality. It has its own function in the bigger system. And its job is to distribute the resources of primal yin over the seven and eight-year cycles of Jing and to manage health, well-being in times of crisis, change, or challenge. The sort of key marker for that vessel is uh, an overall lack of self-contentment. So people who have yin wei pathology are not happy with who they are. They're not happy with what they have. They're the grass is always green around the other side of the fence people. They have difficulty um, embracing gratitude. And so they're uncomfortable in their own skin. And they're uncomfortable with contentment. 
Yeah, they're, they can't be content. They're not content. So, for instance, you might see this in people who are going through um, sort of evolutionary changes in the seven and eight-year cycle. So a classic one would be like midlife crisis, right? So mm -hmm. a, a woman, for instance, starts to move into her 40s, her mid-40s, her late 40s, and all of a sudden things start looking different in the mirror than they used to. The tone of her skin isn't as good, her skin isn't as clear, her hair isn't as lustrous, um, she's gaining a little weight, and she can't get rid of it. The resistance in the yin way kicks in and makes that person want to go to extreme measures to change who they are and how they look, right? So we see things like cosmetic surgery or... Going to the gym and working out extraordinary hours. Yeah, like every day and can't, can't go a day without the gym because if you do that, then you, you, know, you, you are embracing the advancing years and we're not going to do that. We're not getting older. We're not going there. It's sort of, whether it's male or female, it's sort of what I call the Toys R Us kid syndrome, right? I'm, I'm not growing up. I'm yeah. a Toys R Us kid. You can't make me go. <laughs> I, I am. If I can't go backwards, I'm not going forwards because going forward means accepting the idea that I'm getting old and then ultimately accepting the idea that I'm going to die. So yeah. I'm not doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that resistance, that's a specific kind of anxiety. That's different, for instance, than the kind of an anxiety or experience that someone might have if they feel abandoned in life. People who get anxiety from feeling disconnected from the world, disconnected from the people around them, alone, that kind of anxiety is more of a Renmai anxiety because the Renmai is about bonding. Okay. So it isn't so much that a person comes in with a diagnosis of anxiety or depression or insomnia and you're diagnosing that condition, what you're looking at is how is the person coping with what they've got? How are they dealing with the world? What's their go-to um, character style? Um, where are they holding on to things? Where are they unable? So you can do that completely physically. You can say, okay, this person has yin deficiency, so I'm going to use the ren mai. This person has yang deficiency, so I'm going to use the du mai. Or you can say, okay, this person's unable to stand on their own two feet. They're having trouble separating and individuating. So I'm going to use the Dumai to help them do that. People will often come into my office and in the interview, they'll say things like, well, I have anxiety. And, and to me, the, the, the next question is always, well, what kind of anxiety? I mean, and, and what does anxiety mean to you? And, and they'll be so surprised when I go, well, how do you know you're anxious? And it's like, what, kind, what makes you anxious? How do you, know you're an, you know, how do you know you have anxiety? Yeah, where are you experiencing that in your body? Ex and, where do you, and what aspects of life are you experiencing it in? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's like depression. I mean, d there are all different kinds of depression. And they're not all equal. There's that sort of liver depression where it's sort of anger turned in on oneself and people are overly contained and frustrated in their depression. And then there's those depressions that are severe enough that, you know, that apathy and suicidal ideation comes with it. That's a completely different process going on. 
How would you see that being reflected in the eight extras? Well, I mean, okay, if we look at if we look at that that those two things of anger turned in on inward on itself, then really what you're saying is that the the anxiety or sorry, the depression is being caused by constraint, right? So if it's caused by constraint, then you're going to use a vessel that's going to distribute more. Whereas if it's caused by apathy and there's suicidal ideation, then perhaps what we need to do is bolster resources. So those eight extras come uh, sometimes considered to be pairs, but really they come in, in two separate groups. One group is our C's, right? The Ren Mai, the Du Mai, the Chang Mai, and the Dai Mai. And those C's are about resources. How many, how much resource do you have available to you to complete your task in life? And then the other four, the Wei vessels and the Chow vessels, those are transporters. They move things along. They create circulation. So you are looking for what the ultimate problem is, is a person too weak to manage change, too unsupported to manage change, or are they resisting change too much? And if they're resisting change, then you've got to get things moving. Right. And if they don't have enough fuel in the tank, you got to supplement that deficiency. Moving will probably make it worse. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes people will present with a lack of resources and they don't actually have a lack of resources. What they have is a disconnect from their resources. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten what's available to them. They've forgotten that they are actually supported in life. Or they don't recognize that they're supported. So sometimes it's about getting them reconnected to those resources so they know they're not alone. This brings up the question for me of when you're contacting these channels. Are you using the, you know, the coupled points as, as is so often the case with a lot of Japanese acupuncture? Or are there other ways that you have of, because there's all, you know, there's plenty of different points on these eight extras that you can work with. How do you tap on these things? Well, my preference is to rarely use the couple points. I think each one of these vessels has its own personality and I'm of a mind that if someone's coming into my office with psycho-emotional problems, each vessel or each needle I use is a piece of information that needs to be processed by this patient, and this patient is already not processing. So I want to do the least amount of intervention I can do to start to set things right. So more often than not, I use a single vessel. I use the master point and points on the trajectory of that vessel. Sometimes, I, because the pattern is so obvious, I might add a second vessel, but that second vessel isn't necessarily the couple point. For instance, I might do the Ranmai using Lung 7 with the Daimai, gallbladder 41, and then I will do points, a few points on the trajectory of those vessels, trying to find a point or two where things might overlap. And do you find those by palpation or sometimes function? Sometimes. Uh-huh. And sometimes you just know. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty interesting how we uh, learn to select points over the course of time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 
And obviously, I mean, there is a benefit to palpation because when you're dealing with psychoemotional issues, patients are not often aware. Um, and often they don't know what information is useful to you or they don't want to share information because it's too personal. Mm -hmm. So the mental process uh, can inhibit that flow of that information to allow you to make the best choices. But the body never lies. Right. You, you can palpate and the body will tell you what it needs. So there is an advantage to that palpation. But I've also picked points for function. I've also picked points based on their names. Mm -hmm. Right? There are oh, yeah. points on the eight extra vessels that have names that are really powerful. It's a good clue, isn't it? Yes, it's a really good clue. And I think when you have that, it strengthens the intent of your treatment. Right? So if I've got someone who I'm going to do a yin way treatment on for anxiety, but they experience their anxiety right below the diaphragm, not in their chest, then, you know, spleen 16 is on the trajectory of the vessel. And its name is uh, abdominal lament. How about that? Right? So, you know, those, that's a powerful way of strengthening your intent. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, well, and in some ways, I mean, it's, it's right there. The roadmap's been laid out. Yes. There's a, there's a lovely point on the Red Mai that I often use for digestive issues. It's, it's right below REN12, which is you know often used for digestion. But the one right below it, REN11, is called Construct the Interior. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. So I might choose that instead of REN12 for mm -hmm. that exact reason. Yeah. Right? You, just to back up for just a moment, because I, I want to I get this in. I'm really curious about it. You mentioned that each of the eight extras has a bit of a personality. And yeah. I, I'm curious, do you get into this in your book? Um, yes, I do, actually. The first half of the book is really a formal sort of introduction to the underlying, not just physical, but psycho-emotional personalities of each of the eight extras. And some of the sort of archetypal understanding. For instance, the Renmai 
is, you know, primal yin. But archetypally, it's the archetype. In general, it's the archetype of the feminine because that's yin. But it's really the archetype of the mother, right? It's the conception vessel. It's about mm-hmm. the capacity to conceive of something, hold on to or gestate that something, and then give birth to that thing in the world, right? Nourish it, help it to grow. And that archetypal energy can be true for men, women, or you know, women who never have babies or men who are not mothers, but they have something in their life that they're giving over to that archetype. I would hope so. Exactly. Yeah, or or you just don't have a full life. Yeah. So so there's plenty of information in the book, and we'll we'll get more into that in a moment. How people can find that? Could you briefly? And I know this is really brief, but and and I don't want our listeners to think that oh, this is you know, here's the two minute on each one, and that's all there is. But could, <laughs> right? Warning. Yeah. Right? Don't don't make it too simple, folks. Um, so so at the risk of doing that. Could you give us a little bit on the personality of each of the eight extras? Just kind of an overview. Yeah, I can maybe give you, I can give you an overview. So from my perspective, they have, a, they have a certain way that the psyche unfolds. It starts with the Chiang Mai. The Chiang Mai is the source vessel. Undifferentiated yin and yang. The master point, spleen four, grandfather, grandson, implies a link through generations. So archetypally, this would be like the wise ones right? The, the, mm. the storytellers, the grandparents that um, share their wisdom from past ages. Then that gives birth to primal yin and primal yang, the ren mai and the du mai. And the reason for that is because you cannot have a postnatal existence without polarity, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's wonderful to have oneness, but oneness doesn't allow for movement. And Movement is necessary to go from birth to death. So you have primal yin and primal yang. Archetypally, you have the mother and the father. Or the feminine and the masculine. Take your pick. Mm -hmm. Then those primal resources have to be distributed over time. The way vessels distribute them over time. So the yang way is about behavior or action. How we choose to behave in a certain way. And the yin way is how we feel about that the substantive experience of collecting memories over time. Then we have to also be aware of how we take up space in the present moment. The chow vessels do that. The yang chow helps us locomote in present moment and to see what's out there. And the yin chow helps us stand up tall and look inward and gives us insight. And then at the bottom is the daimai. The daimai is the sort of repository for unprocessed experience. You can think of that as sort of Pandora's box, or if you have a Jungian uh, interest, it's more like the shadow, Mm -hmm. right? The the sort of negative side of experience stored. Um, But it also has a prenatal experience in which it supports the others because it wraps around the waist like the middle. So it's like a lumbar belt. So if you look at that whole thing, you can see over time people get stuck in certain ways as they're trying to move through time, as they're trying to fulfill their purpose, or if they're trying to resist fulfilling their purpose, they get stuck in certain ways. And you can 
see that stuckness sort of on that map. Yes, that's a that's a very that's a very helpful map. Thank you. Yeah. What resources have you leaned on in this journey of, of putting all this stuff together that that you that has helped you to understand the eight extras and and these particular aspects of them? Any books or experiences or things that that our listeners could go to kind of as source material for where you've gotten your stuff. I I have read a lot of textbooks out there that have been um, written around psycho-emotional stuff in Chinese medicine, um, but none of those address the eight extras in any way, shape, or form. Most of what I know about how the eight extras work, I learned from Jeffrey Yuen. So I learned it in an oral transmission Mm-hmm. There are students of his that have written books that I find are useful in this process because he doesn't write anything down. He's a very traditional Taoist. They don't write things. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Shea wrote a book that I think is quite extraordinary called Alchemy of the Extraordinary. Okay. And it... it um, digs pretty deeply into the evolution of consciousness through his um, medicine. I think it's quite a wonderful book. Um, and Cecil Sturman wrote a book called Advanced Acupuncture that does of theory, but teaches you how to use vessels, how to create mm-hmm. treatments. It's a clinic manual. Okay. And tell us a little bit about, about your book. Well, I mean, the book that I wrote really was uh, a reflection of the kind of practice I have. There were lots of other uh, books out there available on how um, the eight extras work for physiological conditions, but I hadn't seen anything out there on how to use them to treat psycho-emotional problems. So basically, it's a book that gives an understanding of the archetypal nature of these vessels, it, it talks about how they unfold and why the pathways are significant. And then in the second half of the book, it's a sort of case study. I talk about how they can be used for cases, and I actually give a number of cases and talk about how to create treatments that have intent versus agenda. I think when you're dealing with psycho-emotional problems, the most important thing you can do is empower a patient. So if you're trying to fix them, you've already lost them. <laughs> it's so true. Hey, tell us the name of your book. And where people can find it? Well, you can find it on Amazon, and it's called Psycho-Emotional Pain and the Eight Extraordinary Vessels. Not a fancy title, but a very good description of what's in the book. Kind of a classic Chinese way of uh, describing what's in a book. They just are very straightforward with that kind of thing, too. Yes, it is pretty straightforward. And, well, we'll put all of this on the show notes page, so people will be able to... uh, find these other resources that you've talked about and uh, your book as well. And we can even put a, a link there if you're willing to uh, the classes and things that you're teaching so people can get access to that too. Um, any closing thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners before we wind this thing down? Yeah, I think what I would like to share in this whole process of treating psycho-emotional pain is that a lot of practitioners are afraid to go there because they think they have to do therapy. And you really don't. You don't have to process a person's experience 
from a verbal point of view with them. You don't have to guide them in the way a therapist might. You simply have to see the imbalance and correct it. Um, the more I've done this, the less I talk to my patients about what's happening. I say very little. Of course, I'm going to answer their questions, but I'm not, I'm not doing therapy with them, which is, I think, the thing that m makes some practitioners a little fearful about going there. You don't have to do that. You can simply see the imbalance in a patient and work to correct it and let that unfold in whatever way it's going to unfold. And this stuff makes therapy go better. I'll bet it does. Makes it way more effective because you don't get that mental loop anymore where people are talking about the same things week after week. Yeah. Yeah. They're connected back up to their resources. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. Great. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a delight. And we may have to get you back on for another, another interview at some point. I think there's a lot more to discuss. I would love that. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.